everyone. Welcome to What's the Bible Say, where we look at what the Bible says about questions people are asking today. I'm Stephanie here with my co-host Rebecca, and we have a very special show for you today. We are going to look at the life and the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. and a little bit about racism. We're going to find out what the Bible says about racism, why it matters, and how we can apply it to our lives. So when my husband Donald and I first got married, he used to love to take the boat out and he used to love to go skiing. And one of the mm. things that he enjoyed a lot was making a wake. He would he would swerve from one side to the other behind the boat, and he would see how much water he could spray up and how big of a wake he could make. And, and you know, I couldn't help but think, some people live their lives like that. And Martin Luther King Jr. was one of those people. He was a wake maker. Yes, absolutely. That was such a great illustration, Stephanie. You know, when I think about Martin Luther King, I wish I could have met him. Mm -hmm. I've, yeah. I've learned a lot thanks to your research for this show. And I really do wish I could have met him. He was an amazing man. He would have been 94 this month if wow. he had still been living. So this week, as we celebrate Martin Luther King Day, you know, that day was instituted by Ronald Reagan in 1983. And I found this super interesting. It's the only holiday that was not dedicated to a president. Wow, that is interesting. And I know during these days when we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr., that we hear a lot of references about racism and yes. um, race, and we're going to talk about that, what the Bible says about that. But what I wanted to do first is really kind of look at his life and his legacy. You know, as I read over his speeches and his stories, I was inspired by four specific areas that mm -hmm. I wanted to share. And I think a lot of times people tend to miss. And the first would be that Martin Luther King Jr. left a legacy of action. Yeah. So he, he looked around, he saw what was going on, and he cared about what was going on so much that he took action. And I, and I can't help think that, you know, a lot of people saw what was going on back then, and a lot of people see what's going on now. But he was a man who saw what was going on and decided to act, do whatever he needed to do to try to do something about it. I really appreciate that because so many people talk out the wazoo but they don't actually do anything about it. And so you're right. He was a man of action. He didn't just talk about things. He actually got them done. Yeah. And I love that. He didn't like to talk the talk. He walked the walk. Yeah. And, and I remember reading this in the research. It was after Martin Luther King Jr. was arrested in Birmingham and he was put in jail for peacefully protesting. Mm -hmm. He wrote from his very famous, almost 7,000 word letter from a Birmingham jail. Wow. He wrote these words. I cannot sit idly by in Atlanta and not be concerned about what happens in Birmingham. In other words, I can't just sit here while the world is on fire and just do nothing because my little town, my little mm -hmm. section of town seems to be okay. And listen, like anyone else, Martin Luther King Jr. had his faults. He was not a perfect person, but he definitely was. As neither are we. None yeah, of us none are of us person. are. And and I think we need to take that into consideration. We're not trying to say he's this perfect person, but he was a passionate person. Yes, he, he was. He was a person of action. And because of that, he, he changed the course of this nation. Mm -hmm. He wanted to see equality happen so bad for blacks, but for all Americans, that he changed the course of a nation. Yes. So he acted. And he had the, the motivation to act because it's promised in the Declaration of Independence, which says... We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yes. And also, he thought so much about the Declaration of Independence that during his last speech, 
that he gave the night before he was killed, he said, listen, the Declaration of Independence, that that right, those unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that was like a promissory note or a check mm. that the American government had written for the people. And he was saying, like, it's time to cash it in. It's time for the American government to make good on that promissory note. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. When you think about it that way, yeah, he was definitely, he definitely left a legacy of action. and He was a huge part of changing the culture of our nation. Yeah, and I have so much respect for that, but he also mm. left a legacy of courage. Mm. He was... Absolutely. Like, he didn't enter into what he was doing without the understanding and, no, and knowledge that it was going to be dangerous. The stand he took, the movement that he was leading, it put him in danger and he was well aware of it. But his determination in spite of the danger that he knew he would face, it reminds me of that quote that I think we've all heard it before, but mm. courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something is more important than fear. And so when I look at him throughout his mission for equality, I see this man of courage. He had been arrested unjustly. He had been threatened multiple times. Mm. His home and, and churches were bombed. Wow. He was even stabbed one time. And you don't read a lot about mm. this, but he was stabbed by an African-American uh, woman. Her name was Isola Ware Curry. She battled mental illness a lot. And they had a book signing one day. And he was there. And she says, I've been looking for you for five years. And she pulled out an, an envelope opener and stabbed him in the chest. Wow. And he almost died from that. But two of his friends during that time were going to pull the, the knife out of his chest. Mm -hmm. Two police officers stopped them from doing that and got him to the hospital. And the doctor said had they pulled it out, it would have killed him. Wow. Because it was so close to his, his wow. main arteries. You know, he faced a lot of not just threats, but actual assault. Yeah. So he knew what the threats were out there and that they were real. These weren't imaginary. Yeah. He once said, there comes a time when one must take a position that is neither safe, mm. nor political, nor popular. Right. But he must take it because his conscience tells him it is right. And so he definitely left a legacy of courage that we can all learn from. He's very, very inspiring to me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this this week, uh, Ronnie and I just watched The Help. Yeah. I'm sure you've probably heard of that movie. If you've never seen it, you really should watch it. I'm telling you, I had so many emotions during that movie. What I came away with at the end is that during terrible times, I find it so inspiring and so challenging about the courage mm -hmm. that emerges in people's lives during those difficult times, which is kind of what the help is about. So if you haven't watched it, check it out. Um, but Martin Luther King definitely showed that courage and he led the way, I think, for a lot of people. So legacy of action, mm -hmm. legacy of courage. What's another one? So the third one I think would be that he left a legacy of nonviolence. It permeated Good. every protest, every conversation, everything that he did. He was he had this passionate pursuit to see equality become a reality for blacks mm -hmm. and ultimately for all Americans. But during that time, he would urge consistently that all of his creative protests, as he called them, he called them creative <laughs> protests, um, that they would be done without violence. And so when I was researching for this episode, I found that almost every speech that he made, almost every dialogue that we have record of that he had with other people, that he always urged nonviolence. And his Dr. King's charge to those who gathered for a protest whenever they came together, 
he would say, yes, protest, but make sure that they remain peaceful protests, nonviolent in, in various ways at different times. He is noted as saying, we must not despair. We must not become bitter, nor harbor the desire to retaliate with violence. Mm. So yeah. he was nonviolence. That's right. A big thing. And I know he wrote in his letter from a Birmingham jail. Over the past few years, I have consistently preached that nonviolence demands that the means we use must be as pure as the ends we seek. Oh, that's what a good. great quote. That is a great wow. quote. And then in his Strength of Love speech from 1963, he said, I love this quote. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Yeah, and one of the things about Martin Luther King Jr. was he was a ferocious advocate of nonviolent change, mm -hmm. making a change but doing it without violence. He left this legacy of changing the whole nation without violence, without hatred, without looting, without, you know, breaking down walls, burning cities and stuff. But he changed the course of a nation. We can learn a lot from that. Yes, we can. That's really good. So he left a legacy of action. He left a legacy of courage. He left a legacy of nonviolence. Um, what's the fourth one, Stephanie, which I just want to say, by the way, great job in researching all of this. I learned so much about him and was so inspired and by the way, he was a brilliant man. Mm. And reading his his um, speeches and some of the things that he wrote and, and knowing like some of the tidbits of information about his life, like he entered college at 15 years old. Wow. Um, so he that. was one smart cookie, yeah, Not, you know, intellectually um, and, and passionate and all of those things. But he also left a legacy of faith, which I think mm -hmm. underscores everything else that he left. You know, he was raised in a Christian home. His dad mm -hmm. was a pastor. Oh. He went to seminary. He became a pastor. And, and while I couldn't find any research, I wanted to find his personal testimony about mm -hmm. how he came to know Christ. I couldn't find that anywhere. But I do know this. He consistently referred to scripture as a basis of his belief. Mm -hmm. And after he was elected to the Montgomery Improvement Association, which was formed to lead boycotts, you know, bus mm -hmm. boycotts, and so that they weren't segregated and segregated sitting, Martin Luther King Jr. said this, we must keep God in the forefront. Let us be Christian in all our actions. And historian Mark Knoll is noted as saying that he was beyond question the most important Christian voice in the most important social protest movement after World War II. He definitely impacted our nation in a powerful way. And as we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. and all that he did, it is really important for us at What's the Bible Say to take a look at what does the Bible say about racism? And of course, we're going to discuss this in more detail at a later episode, but it's important for us to address it today because we are commemorating Martin Luther King Jr. and all that he did for racial equality in a time when our country was reeling with blatant ra racism. I, I told Ronnie when we were watching The Help, I, I think I would have gone crazy during that time period, which my husband actually did live through it. He was mm. in junior high at the time. And he has some very disturbing stories that he can share mm -hmm. from all sides of the, the spectrum. Yeah. And I still cannot believe that we lived in that time period. Yeah. Um, but what does the Bible say about it? That's really the bottom line. And that's where we get our information of how we should live our lives. Mm -hmm. So it says Genesis 1:27. God's word says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
And then in Acts 10, 34 and 35, when God was teaching Peter a lesson on discrimination against Gentiles, which Gentiles are anybody who are not Jewish. So that would be, if you're not Jewish, then you're a Gentile. And the word says, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Mm. So when it says God shows no partiality, it means he does not discriminate against people. I mean, God's word is very clear, and it shows us God does not discriminate. Amen. Amen, sister. Um, I think about Galatians 3.28. It says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ. And when you look at Jesus's earthly ministry throughout his three and a half, short three and a half years here on this planet, he broke down barriers. In Luke yes, chapter did. nine, he was, he was the barrier breaker, right? He was a rebel. <laughs> yes. In Luke 19 verses one through 10, he broke down social barriers when he ate with tax collectors. Mm -hmm. In Luke seven, he broke down social and religious barriers when he allowed a prostitute mm. to, to touch him and to put perfume on his feet and to wipe them with her tears, which One is such favorite I know, mine too. Um, and then John chapter four, um, we find he broke the social, racial, cultural, um, religious, and gender barriers when he, when he talked to the Samaritan woman at the well. Yes, I love did. that story as well. Mm -hmm. And when he spoke to and ministered to rich or poor, sick or, or healthy, lepers, lame, blind, young, old, he broke down barriers every time. And he was mm -hmm. a, the barrier breaker. And so different than us, we divide ourselves into groups, but Jesus makes us one. Oh, yes, we does. look on the outside, God looks at the heart. We judge people based on their color or their culture or their gender or what kind of car they drive or what kind of house they live in and or maybe what their fi financial portfolio is. But Jesus, just, he made it clear we're all one. We're all the same. He, he kind of leveled the playing field and says, listen, you're all sinners in need of a savior. And he judges us based on our hearts. Mm -hmm. And he judges us based on whether or not we have received his gift of salvation. And he gave us what we often call, or we know as the golden rule, mm -hmm. which is like this plumb line for how we ought to treat other people. In Matthew seven twelve, God's word says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, you do also to them. So let's talk about why all this matters for a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Number one, Captain Obvious here, because racism is destructive. Mm -hmm. It divides people. It shows disrespect, which just makes my blood curdle. I just I can't stand that when people are disrespected. It hurts people. It damages communities and civilizations. It's very destructive. And it also dishonors God. Yeah, hello. Right. We're, we're not only being disobedient to him and dishonoring him. He teaches us to love and to respect all mm -hmm. people equally, like even our enemies. We're supposed to love our enemies. And right. he goes beyond what we normally think, love people who love us or not like us. He says, love even your enemies. Mm -hmm. And if you don't love like he calls us to love, then not only are we being disobedient, it literally weakens the validity of our testimony that we belong to Christ. We say we love mm -hmm. Jesus and we belong to him, but we don't love others and we're living like we don't belong to him when yeah. we're being racist. And who's going to listen to that? Right. Nobody. Right. Absolutely not. If he's not a respecter of persons, we certainly should not be a respecter of persons. That's right. That's right. 
and Lord help us please. Yeah. So let's talk about how are we going to apply this in real life because that's really where where it matters, right? Yeah. So um, what's something we can do? I think we need to kind of just get real and examine our hearts. Uh, we need to to look at our own selves in the mirror. Yeah. Because actually, when you think about it, it all boils down to. At its core, racism is a heart issue. It is a heart issue. You know, Martin Luther King Jr.'s leadership and his influence definitely was a catalyst to to end segregation. Absolutely. So while segregation, though, is a thing of the past, racism is not. It still exists. Yeah. And that's because, like you said, Rebecca, it's a matter of the heart. It's an issue that hearts deal with. And laws can't change a heart. Right, right. We can have a gazillion laws on the books that protect people from being victims of racism, right. which we absolutely agree with. You know, nobody should be a victim of racism. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many laws you have because racism cannot be eliminated by laws because it's a matter of our heart. Right, right. It is. And so we need to check our heart and look in the mirror and say, listen, are there any areas of racism in my heart right now that I need to deal with? And are there certain races of people or cultures that you look down upon? If you've got some kind of areas in your life or in your heart right now, you need to repent. You need to admit it first. And then you need to repent. And then you need to start taking steps toward overcoming that area of racism mm-hmm. in your heart. Ask God to help you see people like Jesus sees people. Yeah, wow. And, and I'd like to add one other thing is that once you've examined your heart and you've looked to see what's in there, you may find that you need to forgive. Oh, that's Because, good. you know, there are a lot of bad things that happen to a lot of people and not just African Americans. And so by all means, examine your heart. And then once you have looked and see what's in there, then be sure that you handle it biblically. If you need to repent, if you need to forgive, if you need to make restitution with somebody. Because ultimately, remember, people are not our enemy. This is Mm -hmm. Satan loves this so much. And that is not God's plan. It's the enemy's plan. And we don't want to follow his plan. So, yes, that's a good one, Stephanie. Yeah, that was Examine powerful. your heart. Powerful. So what would be a second one? So second is educate yourself. You know, a lot oh, of racism comes from fear of the unknown mm-hmm. or just not understanding or misrepresenting. Yeah. And so educate yourself, research different races and different cultures, get to know people as people, not a race, but as people and respect other people's history, respect their cultural differences. Yeah, that's so good. I know you spent time, I don't know how long, I can't remember, but you were a missionary in Costa Rica. So Mm -hmm. you were immersed in another culture just for the sake of getting to know them and teach them about Jesus. Yeah. And I'm sure you have, you gained a lot from being around the Costa Ricans. I don't know what, yeah, yeah. are they Costa, yeah, Costa Ricans? Ricans. Okay. Ticos. Ticos. And I know for me, I teach a ladies Bible class and we have over five countries represented wow. in our class. And I tell you, it has been such a joy for me to get to know these women from other countries, other cultures, And I'm just so grateful to have them in my life. And one of the things that I'm so thankful for this experience, I was able to speak to the women uh, in our Spanish ministry about a year ago. And I never knew them before. I know we have a language barrier, so that's kind of hard. But after I spent some time with them, I had breakfast with them and then we spoke. I just fell in love with these women. And now I don't walk past them in the hall. Mm. When I see them, I want to give them a hug. They want to give me a hug. And it's just such a delightful thing when we try to break down those barriers and we try to reach out 
and get to know about other people. What a beautiful illustration of God's family. Yeah. Like we are all one in Christ. You know, when, when you look at different cultures and different races, you don't necessarily have to, when, when they don't line up with scripture, you don't have to, to embrace their beliefs mm -hmm. if they're different than what scripture teaches us, what's biblically true. But we need to keep in mind that many people believe what they believe because that's all that they've been told. Right. That's all that right. they know. And so it's an opportunity to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. who may not know the truth of scripture. Right. Which brings us to number three, um, and that would be pray for mm -hmm. and engage in conversation with those from different races and different cultures mm -hmm. and different backgrounds. They might just be your brother and sister in Christ. Like right. in your Sunday school class, you have five different nations and they're, they're sisters in Christ. They Listen, we're, we're one family. Um, I did a ladies event uh, one time and it was like, we our family, I go, my sisters <laughs> and me. And it's so beautiful knowing that we are part of God's forever family. Yeah, and, and I love what my, my pastor says. He always says, we're just one race. We're part of the human race. Exactly. When you cut us, we all bleed the same color. Right. You know, so we're all one in Christ. And, and maybe they're your brother and sister in Christ. Maybe they're not. Maybe they don't mm -hmm. know Jesus. Maybe they've mm -hmm. never been told about the gospel. And so perhaps God's placed them in your life mm -hmm. or my life so that we could reach them with the love of Jesus. Yes. So we need to we need to pray for them. We need to talk to them. We need to not be afraid of them. Or we definitely don't need to treat people different because they might be a little bit different than we are. Absolutely. So as we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. and the life he lived, let's remember this legacy that he that he left us and we can learn a lot from him. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, we can. And I pray, too, that, that we will be wake makers, people mm. of action, people who are courageous, who yes. are committed to nonviolence, but seeing change, but nonviolent change, and who lead a legacy of faith. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening to this special episode of What's the Bible Say? And if you liked what you heard or you know someone who could benefit from it, then, of course, please share it, like it, subscribe to our channel. You can always find us on whatsthebiblesay.org, all of our links are there. We have special resources for you and we just appreciate you so much. And before we go, just want to leave you with this last quote from Dr. Martin Luther King. It says, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy.